0: Welcome to the HeartStream Musings podcast, a podcast to help you on your journey of self-love. I'm your host, Lisa Mae Francisco, a self-love coach and inner child guide. In the podcast, we'll dive deep on how to heal your inner child wounds, break your relationship patterns and liberate your truth so you can claim the relationships in life that you deserve. Thanks so much for listening. I'm super excited that you're here. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the HeartStream Musings podcast. I'm so excited for this episode because I have a dear friend of mine and I normally do not have male guests. So Mm -hmm. you are actually my first one. I'm going to introduce Amr, Rashid, and Amr is actually a former engineer and product manager, and he's currently a writer. He graduated from UC San Diego with his bachelor's in computer engineering, then Stanford, but What what? <laughs> with a master's in computer science. And he's worked at various tech companies, both big and small. And he recently quit to travel the world and start a business. And Amr and I actually know each other from this community in San Francisco called The Commons. It's a co-working space in Hayes Valley. And we were both in the community of founders, startup founders, or just like entrepreneurs. And I remember he and I were just quickly chatting, but I'm so excited for you to be here. I feel like a lot of our conversations are very much podcast worthy and so it just made sense to have you on here because this season I'm having a bunch of guests. So, thank you for being on the podcast.
1: I'm really excited to be here.
0: Perfect. Perfect. So, do you remember that first time that we met?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember the table we were sitting on in the common that is right next to the door. And I think we were just saying hi or something. And then it was like a 45 minute like an hour-long conversation. just a casual one right there.
0: It totally was. And it was actually an impromptu coaching session in a way. (laughs) And honestly, I never told you this, but it's something that I remember. And this was even before I quit my nine-to-five And I was just in that phase of, can I do it? Can I not? And luckily the universe supplied me with a community of people who were already doing amazing things on their own, already entrepreneurs. And I remember just like testing it out, seeing if it would work. And you said something to me of at the very end, you were like, it's undeniable that you have a gift for this. Mm. And I, and just a stranger, we, maybe we only said hi and bye to each other, but the fact that I was able to coaching on something in real time and help you find something that was meaningful to you. Like just that statement alone gave me the gumption of like understanding that someone saw me the way that I always wanted to be seen and that I could do this. And that was like everything. I was like, all right, I think I'm going to do it. And that's, that was like so impactful to me because you said that I'll never forget it.
1: Oh, that's really wonderful to hear. I'm, I'm glad that you remember that because um, I, I still believe it. We were both in a phase where we we're both thinking about quitting our jobs and we're both, right? <laughs> both of us were sitting at the edge of the pool being like, do we want to dive in? Not really sure. But I think like literally within 10 minutes of talking a- about ourselves, I think you just, you just have this ability to strike the balance between curiosity and like comfort. So you take mm-hmm. curiosity in the other person, but also make them really feel really comfortable Like 30 minutes in and you're like, Hamir, you're an artist, right? You're an artist. And I'm like, huh, I never thought of it that way. But I think a lot of the things that I do come from like this deep passion and sense of beauty about things. And you really, that was like a really motivating conversation for me. So yeah, like 45 minutes in, I was like, wow, just met you. And I already feel like you're my coach. That's crazy. You you (laughs) definitely have to do this. This is what you're made for.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. And so alluding back to that topic of being an artist, And then I was just reading your bio of you're an engineer, product manager. That's very much like logical, rational, science driven. How do you balance the two? Because now you're really diving into writing and expressing yourself. And side note, Amr also was a part of my artist weight group. And so how do you strike the balance between the two?
1: Yeah, I'll I'll be honest and say I'm not. In a very balanced person. I, I am somebody who likes taking things to the extremes. And I'm radical in that way. But I, I it's actually, it'll you'll hear this theme again when we talk about how I quit my job because the same exact thing tried to happen. There's like some bare minimums, right? Like eating good food, sleeping well, exercising. But when I my mind is focused on a passion, it just goes all in. So I have these seasons where I'm very focused on one thing or very focused on the other. Yeah, like during the pandemic, for example, I picked up like the piano again after a long time of not doing that. And in that season, I had a friend who was quite good at improvising on the piano. He's still way, way better than me, but just like literally over the course of two years in the pandemic, just playing, I was eventually able to like improv uh, on the piano, which is not something that I was taught to do or anything, just because it was, I was like focusing on that a lot in my free time then. So yeah, I think I have seasons where I'm really focused on art, and seasons where I'm really focused on logic. I'm gonna break it up that way, but just generally passions in my life. And yeah, right now this is the season where I really focus on building a business. So that's what I'm that's what I'm spending my time now doing. I actually it's funny. I was I was, really, I was writing down my goals, and like I had my ideal life written down. And my ideal life is that I have a business that's like working really well. But then on the weekends I go perform in clubs. Wow. In like my original music, and I would like. To, to be able to stand on stage and produce electronic music live or partially pre-recorded, but like mix it live for people. That's one of my life dreams. And I was looking at my goals and I was like, I don't have time to work on that right now. I actually need to go all in on, on this. So yeah. seasons.
0: Oh, Do you feel like, like, how do you feel about that? Being able to put one of your dreams on hold of, I don't, yeah. How do you feel about that? That's interesting.
1: I think I was feeling that I often have a very high expectation for myself, like really high expectations. And I put, I often put down far more goals and ambitions than I can currently hold at any given time. And in the certain phases of my life where I've done that, I have gotten like mediocre results in all of them. But when I have a T-shaped motion to my life where I'm like, one thing, maybe two things that I'm really focused on and everything else is like at maintenance or like a slow burn, then I tend to perform really well. And I'm able to stack wins instead of trying to get to five simultaneously. I know that I know how I get when I'm on Ableton. I will lose myself in Ableton. Like I will not be able to stop like making music and stuff and the fact is, that's my second priority right now. My first priority is is the business.
0: Wow. Okay. This is very really cosmic because before our before break recording right now, I was literally outlining all my goals. For my oh, really? No way. Oh <laughs> my was, gosh! I was literally going ham. Like I have no <laughs> idea where this came from. I was doing frameworks, diving into everything. And it's something that's so interesting because I was in the part where it was, what are the top two, three priorities that are related to your core values and season? And that's a challenge of mine because I just love having my hands in everything. Like I'm very much a creative where it's, if I have a divine inspiration, I'm going to go for it. And so I'm really understanding how to have coherence with my actions that are aligned with my mind and Mm -hmm. my thoughts. And so it's interesting that you say that you have the discipline to know that, okay, I know that's a passion of mine to make music. And eventually I will get there and I'm okay with waiting and being patient with it where it's, I don't know, I have this like FOMO. And I just get so excited because it's, I need a strike where the iron's hot. And how do I still remember how divinely inspired I was knowing that's going to be a later goal. And so it's actually very difficult for me. And I remember at my old nine to five, they would always say, just do the top three things, do not do everything. And so you're inspiring me. of like, oh, wow, I should apply this T model. (laughs) Very
1: interesting. That's really interesting. Are you somebody who's able to keep like a good balance of a lot of things and compartmentalize yourself quite well? Because I'm really not, and I'm actually an admiration of people who can.
0: Oh my gosh, I'm an aberration of people like you, because I have like too many irons in the fire. Mm. And I can do it and I do it like I think I'm really good at multitasking, but sometimes it gets too much for me. So I'm trying on a new like set of clothing so
1: yeah you know, we, should actually, we should just take a minute it's, it's funny you mentioned like another cosmic coincidence because that happened several times over the last six months that i've known you like yeah. we both were in that phase of life just before we quit and then we didn't talk at all for like two or three months and then we run into each other with the artist's sway thing and you're like hey i i quit my job we're like holy shit me too i quit my job like we both <laughs> actually took the plunge completely independently So like when you said there's another cosmic coincidence, I was like, ah, another one.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. I know it's crazy. And so I'd really love to talk to you about that, of just what was that experience like of working for these amazing tech companies and then all of a sudden realizing you had another passion that was outside of it and pursuing something on your own? Like where did that inspiration come from?
1: Yeah, I think there's, I think you'll notice this in tons of people's personal stories that there's like this one moment that did it all, right? And I think you could probably tell most stories that way. But in all honesty, it was more like a death by a 1000 cuts. Mm -hmm. I started to have this feeling that it was time to move to the next thing, maybe like last October or November. But when you have that initial feeling, that's not your predominant feeling, right? It's just like, this nagging thing in your head and you're like, okay, I'm just going through a tough time at work or I'm that, that's going to be there in the future. Don't worry. You'll get there. It's, it's not something that you, I pay the importance of at that moment than I do now in retrospect. So probably, what was,
0: what was that nagging feeling or voice? What did it sound like for you?
1: I'm someone who, you know, working in tech and trying to be a logical and rational person I often disconnect from my gut intuition about things. When you study things like probability or computer science, you learn that your gut is often wrong because it's a lot of things are not intuitive, um, especially in probability. Um, there's all sorts of things where you're like, oh, you put 30 some odd people in the room and it's a half chance that two of them share a birthday. That doesn't make any sense to my gut, right? But- yeah. <laughs> Of course, the mistake is that there's certain areas of life where that, that, and and this comes to this, like there's certain areas of life like computer science or probability or the hard sciences where, yeah, maybe you do want to trust more of your logical mind initially, but when it comes to these more values oriented questions, what should you do with your time where there's no absolute right or wrong answer? I think your gut actually has a lot of wisdom there. Mm -hmm. And so it initially just feels like unease. And of course, how do you like start solving unease? You at least me, I work harder (laughs) or I try to change up the routine or I try to be more productive or whatever. I, I meditate more. Yeah. But it's only in retrospect that I can really know Ah, that's what it was saying. So yeah, basically it built up over the course of a few months. And in January, I do this year in review thing where I just like, it. I don't know, I have a symbolic meaning for like birthdays and years. Like I take it very seriously for myself at least. And I become very sentimental. I'm like a very sentimental person. So I do this like year in review thing. It's like, wow, like 2022, done. That's another year gone. I'm 27. What the hell? I feel like I'm still 21 or even. (laughs) So I I did this long review. And as a part of the review, I read through a lot of my journals. And there like reviews have a way, it's like a really sterile word. But really, what you're doing is you're stepping back from your whole life and trying to ask yourself, what do you really want? And it's really rare that anyone really asks that question of themselves because it's scary. What if the answer is I don't want one in my life, right? It's like a really scary answer. So most people don't do it. And I didn't for a long time. And I had this gut feeling, man, like I've been saying, I want to start a business. I've been thinking about starting a business. I've even tried to build some small projects this last year. Whenever I make some time for it, I get really fired up about it. It's all I can think about. And then. The thing that really, and this is like the moment that really inspired me, really, again, death by a thousand cuts. I went back to my journals and I just searched like the word business. And there's this really early journal from April of 2021. And it said, at some point, I really want to quit this job and start a business. April, 2021, I'm now in January, 2023. And I would forgotten that I had been thinking about this for that long. It, the unease may have started last year. But that idea had been ruminating in my mind for that long. Mm. And I thought, wow, I've been thinking about it for that long. Man, I can't ignore that for that much longer. If I do, then I'm telling myself that my dreams that I want to achieve are always can be done in the future. So at that point, I decided, okay. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna create a business, but first I have to make more time because i come to the end of the workday. I'm really mentally exhausted. So I'm gonna start being way more productive at work. So I started aggressively. So I'm, I was a product manager and in product, especially at a startup, and this applies to any role at a startup, especially product and especially at a startup, you always have a list of tasks that are super, super long. And mm-hmm. one of the expectations of your role is that you prioritize them correctly. And so I looked at all my tasks and I was like, okay, If, which are the ones that if I don't do them, I will be failing my job. And which are the ones that if I don't do them, I am, it's just like a slight inconvenience. And I basically looked at my long ass to do list and realized like, yeah, there's three of these things that I actually have to do. I almost can't. Then I was like, wait, okay, let me come at it from first principles. What does it, what would a good product manager do in my position if I was coming into this position fresh? And I outlined, yeah, like four or five things, maybe three. And then I just cut out everything else. And I realized like all that pressure wasn't coming from my boss or anything to do all the stuff. It was coming from me because I just felt like I had to do everything. I'm like a super capable person that does everything. But then when I realized I can actually just cut it down to three or four things and then do them really well, I can actually save a lot of time. I don't have to work eight or nine hours a day. I can, and if I do it really focused with like very deep work and I shut off all my Slack notifications, I can actually get that work done in three to six hours a day. So I started becoming way more productive at work, meaning like time spent, the amount of time spent to get actual shit done. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was actually initially, and I say initially for a reason, initially I was spending less time at work, but this is where I started learning something about myself. I actually worked more hours than I did in the past, which really confused me. I was like, why am I working more hours now that I'm more efficient with my time? And it's because- When I actually start doing things, let's start moving the needle. It's a very addicting feeling. I am feeling very productive to the business. I'm feeling very useful and I love the feeling of being useful. And so what do I do? I spend all all that time being more and more useful because it feels so good. Because the idea of the free time being used for this big, uncertain thing of starting a business, it's like, oh, it's just like too scary. I'll do tomorrow, whatever. <laughs> oh, you procrastinated.
0: Right <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. So I started working more, which is the exact opposite. So I was like, oh God, okay.
0: Oh, wow. So it was almost like a bit of a distraction, but a good distraction because you're being useful and you're purposeful, but that it kept you also away from the dream of starting your business.
1: Right. And I was like working like nine or 10 hours before I was working like eight hours or six hours. Now I'm working like nine or 10 hours. Like what the hell is going on? This is (laughs) is where I realized and we're coming back to that point I made earlier is that I'm like a very all or nothing kind of person. I go all in or I'm like all out. Uh And so I realized, okay, this is what I have to choose. I have to either choose to be all in to my job at the startup and help the startup grow and do my best that I can. And going all in would mean to move up to the headquarters in Vancouver. And right. so I thought about moving up there for a month, try it out or to quit. And basically after doing a lot of thinking, I realized a few important things that I think if somebody is listening to this right now in my position, I think it, it really, when I realized it, it, it really changed my mind on this. I think the first one is that it's only going to get harder to take a risk like this. I'm 27, so I'm still relatively young, but mm-hmm. I'm getting to the point soon where I'm going to start having dependence, right? Maybe it's my parents, or maybe it's going to be a significant other, or in a few years, hopefully it'll be children, right? So there are, and it could be mortgages, it could be loans. There's all sorts of things that as you grow older, you accrue responsibility because your capabilities are increasing. And so society and family and your friends and everyone around you, and as you should, expect you to carry more responsibility. So that's the first thing. It only gets harder. It's never going to be easier to start a business than right now. hmm that was the first thing. And that's probably like the biggest thing that I still think about. It's, I'm so glad that I did it because whatever difficulty it feels like right now, it's going to be harder in the future than this. So I think when I realized that, I was like, okay, of course, it's not only going to be harder, you can get more experience, but plenty of people have started com- successful companies without a lot of experience, right? You, mm-hmm. The experience sometimes is what you gain along the way and you have to learn it along the way, right? So that, again, that was also a cop out. And uh, yeah, I basically want a ski trip with a really like a close friend. And he like talked to me about it for like, three straight hours. And we got to this idea that either I go to Vancouver and I commit or I, I quit. And I think the thing that tipped it for me was that he, he said, okay, let's just say you go to Vancouver, right? How long would you want to stay at the company? I'm like, maybe like a year. And then I would want to do this. And he's been, why are you then like, why are you waiting? That's a if short do it now. If you're, if you're going to do it anyways, <laughs> do it now. Yeah. Now that he say it that way, <laughs> yeah, so once I realized this, I, I basically had a few days to just make sure of it and then told my manager and yeah.
0: Wow. So how was that conversation of, or just feeling so confident and sure of your choice and then sharing it with mm-hmm. the world and your manager?
1: Yeah. So I mentioned that I did my review in the beginning of January and all of January and February, I was like trying to like do, be super productive and do both at the same time. And so it's not working out. I was actually working more hours. And then I went on that ski trip with my friend, like beginning of March. And so mid-March, I remember, I think it was March 15th-ish, um, I told my manager and um, he was like, oh, I, I was like, he's like surprised because I, I hadn't told him ahead of time and stuff. He's, I'm really surprised. And I was and I explained to him my reason and I told him why I wanted to quit. It's like I actually wanted to start a business. And he's, like, let me just, you think about it for a few days. I'll think about it for a few days. You're just bringing this up for the first time. See if you still feel this way on Monday and then we'll talk again. Monday comes along. And of course, it's been brewing for a year and a half. So, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm deserved it. <laughs> and he's, okay, Amir, I think in another situation, I would have tried to convince you. Mm-hmm. But I really actually respect that you're quitting for that reason you're not trying to go to a different company or a different startup to get like a better pay or something. You're just, you're quitting to start your business because mm-hmm. I wish that I've had some similar aspirations myself. And I wish that I did that earlier too. So you have my full support in going to do that. And I was like, wow. So there isn't like a retention conversation or anything like that. He just, I think he saw a little bit of himself in me and wanted to like grow and nurture that. And I think this got taken to the extreme because then the CEO, because my manager to the CEO and the CEO is often in contact with the work that I was doing at the company. We got up to, to get a, a coffee after work, I think. And I was like into the conversation. I was like, okay, the CEO is different, right? He's going to, it's like time to tie belt belt aside. He's going to have a list of reasons why I need to stay. And I, I came up with a list of objections and like saying, this is what I really want. Obviously I could just leave if I wanted, but I, I wanted to leave off a good news and I wanted to help them see that. So we go off on this conversation and so let's, Talk about it. you want to leave, and I'm like, yes, that's right. I want to go, and I'm like, I'm in my mind, I'm getting prepared. I'm like, oh, he's gonna like try to convince me to say he's gonna offer me a pay raise or something like that. And he's, I talked to your manager about like why you're leaving, and yeah, I'm like I'm actually really excited for you to go. Wow. And I was like, actually, my first reaction, I didn't tell you this. My first reaction was like, why do you don't want me to stay? I thought you were going to stay. <laughs> 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 it's like you, you go to break up with someone, and they're like, okay, they're like what? You don't, you're not gonna put up a fight. <laughs> And then I was like, wait, really? Like this, like nothing? Yeah. Like I, I'm actually just really happy for you. I really want you to go and try that. Don't get me wrong. We really need you. And, you know, and we were in the middle of launching our first like actual product. And I was the only product manager at my level working on that. And we really need you. And later on, he convinced me to stay a little bit longer than I was intending, like for six weeks, four weeks, which is fine. Because I got to release a product that we were working on. And I pushed him and I said, like, how come? He said, look, Amir, I was your age when I started this company. So hmm. how can I stop you from wanting to do that? If that's what you want, go do it. And I will provide you whatever mentorship you need and any connections or intros to investors that you need. And just hit me up, let me know. I'll be the first introduced to them. And I was like, wow. But I was still suspicious. So I asked him, like, Kevin, <laughs> like, I, I, I know you see that part of your journey and what I'm doing right now. And like, why are you like? and he's like, look armor okay you really want me like the other thing is I'm just like proud that we now have parallel domain alumni that are going off and starting their own companies So that's a point of pride for me too as a CEO like my company has gotten to the point where we can now have alumni that are going off and starting their own companies like that makes me feel proud too I was like wow I was expecting it to be a lot more adversarial to be honest
0: uh-huh. um, yeah
1: given like the role I was working on in the company and how critical that work was to what the company's future direction was going to be at that time. But yeah, I I feel like I have a lot of respect for both my manager and my CEO for, I think, seeing the desire that I had and how serious I was about it. And instead of, I think they could have been more self-interested and had me stay because I was working on a core part, but they actually put the human side of our relationship first. And they were so encouraging of me. And to this day, they still are. So it feels really great. It feels oh, right.
0: That's that's amazing how supportive both of them were. I think it's so rare that you find at a company, especially one that's starting out, where they, can, they need all the resources that they can get. And the fact that you were at that level being a project manager and you're about to like roll out something and they still even put your best interests at heart, it just really shows the level of care that they have. So that's really inspiring. Did you take them up on any of the mentorship stuff yet or?
1: Still in the process of figuring out where I'm going next with the business, but I think it's clear to me then that's a VC backed business. And so we'll see, but I'm still in contact with both of them, of course. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. And I'm sure that was so impactful because I remember when I was working in New York and I was applying to business school, obviously it's sometimes you don't want to share your personal goals with your manager. Sometimes you'll just be met with opposition. And I remember my manager at the time, she was so supportive of me because she had to write my recommendation. Mm -hmm. And it was the the one thing to notify her of, Hey, this is the beginning of the journey where I'm eventually going to leave you. And she just said to me, I'm so proud of you. The fact that you're going to do this, I support you. I'm excited for you. I'm just going to enjoy you now. And maybe one day I get to work for you. And that really, yeah, that really left a mark on me of, wow, this is, this is the type of manager that I would want to work for. And this is the type of manager that I would want to be. Because at the end of the day, it's like, of course, people are working for you but they all have their own autonomy and dreams and goals. And the fact that your managers were both able to see not like the needs of the business, right? Like profit, or we have this, like the fact that it was a sole goal that you had and they helped support that dream. So that's amazing.
1: Yeah, I think like the takeaway is that I think if you are passionate about what you want to do and mm-hmm. you are in that passion, as you communicate to the people in your life, I think if they're decent people, then they will often surprise you with how supportive they are.
0: I know. So then after you had that conversation, you wrapped up the six weeks there, what did you do afterwards?
1: Yeah. During those six weeks, it was a very tumultuous time, like in the sense that I was very focused on finishing out my role to the best of my ability. We were just releasing a product the fifth of those six weeks. We were releasing our first really customer-facing product, not service. Wow. And I don't know. I was like leaving the next week. I could have spent almost no time on it. I could have just been like, look, I'm cruising. I'm going to get my paycheck, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I uh, At least at a startup, it's, it's easier for me to feel this way. I felt very connected to the mission of the company. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I'd grown up with these people a little bit over the last two and a half years. And so I I worked really hard on that product release and I think it it worked, it it went as well as I could have hoped. And I don't know, it felt, I think it felt natural for me to do that, but I think people weren't expecting that because most people, when they're about to leave, they don't sacrifice so much time and effort to do it. So I think that was like an important thing was that, yeah, like your employer is just your employer and they're not your family, they're a team. But I think that left really good impact and impression on a lot of the people there, seeing how hard I was working, knowing that I was going to leave the day the next week. That was one thing. And the second thing that, almost taking notes for myself in the future, is that when you're about to transition phase, transition into a new phase, especially when you're leaving one group of people and going off to a different place, and work is probably the best example of that, but it applies in other places as well. It's a time where I think it's very socially acceptable, at least in America, to ask for feedback and for people to be like quite candid with you. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they'll be so candid is because um, A, communicate how important it is that certain things about yourself as you leave, but B, they're not going to, if they say something that's a little too candid, they're not going to have to see you at work the next day. Right. So it that's actually true. worked really well. I learned a lot of things about myself that I didn't think about at all that I thought had to do with me. One of the most common pieces of feedback that I got that were positive was that I'm, people see me as a very good communicator and Mm -hmm. I'm like, I I just don't think of myself as somebody who, I I don't think I'm a bad communicator, but I don't think of that as like a strength necessarily. It's just like something that I'm not bad at. I'm not like amazing at, but that was something that people kept saying, not just like being engaging, but talking about being able to simplify things or get to the core of things and be able to communicate that from, you know, engineering to management and back and forth. That's another thing I would take notes for myself in the future, make sure. And I did, which I'm glad to just in that phase, when you're transitioning out to get that piece of feedback, because the most important thing is that in this wide world of business, when you're in such an open-ended field where there's no strict markers for success or failure, you need as many concrete truths about yourself to lean on, right? for example, okay, I'm a good communicator. out of all of the possible positions I could occupy as a leader in a business, maybe I should be in a lead, a position in a business where I can utilize that strength versus trying to learn something that's a weakness or you know something from scratch all on my own. and mm-hmm. and it's it's hard to overstate how important it is to have that self-knowledge when you go to something that's really wide open. So I'm really glad I did that.
0: Wow. What other pieces of feedback did you get that was surprising?
1: I got that. Let's see. I, I work really hard, um, probably too hard. I got that. I, and this is like probably the, the negative piece of feedback that I, I remember is that I often have an easy time starting things, but a hard time finishing things.
0: Oh, so, did you agree with that?
1: I think in the context of work, I did. And the reason was because. So this feedback was actually more about my performance in 2022 and and, okay. 2023. and the reason why was because in the beginning of this year, I did a very big elimination of a lot of tasks that were eating up at my time. And so what ended up happening was that a lot of the important stuff got 80% done and that 20% of time was going into all the other small tasks that I didn't actually need to do. Mm. But when I started putting a lot of my effort into a few tasks, I actually ended up finishing things 100% of the way through. So it actually taught me oh. a real lesson takeaway. was that when I start prioritizing my time, I end up following through on things that are important to me.
0: Oh, okay. Wow. And so how did you celebrate the end of the chapter in addition to yeah. getting feedback from people and integrating that?
1: I went out to, and like on the last day of work, all of us who are in the office went out and we... Basically, I think we went to a bar and we went to get food together. Yeah. And It was, it was actually quite ceremonial because the, the CEO was there and I felt like it was like really nice to have that last day because for the last two and a half years, he's been my superior or my superior. And that day it felt like we were dissolving that hierarchical relationship and becoming more of just like two humans who know each other. You know, yeah, it was quite symbolic. Actually, it felt like, yeah, this is like as good of a transition out as I could have hoped for.
0: That's amazing. And I think it's so important that not many people do is just honor these rites of passages or milestones or do rituals yeah. around it. Like you did of even when you have your birthdays like what do you do you do reviews. And then even transitioning out of this job you did a review of yourself like I want feedback. And then to yeah honor the whole experience of just spending time in that community again of what does it mean to have an old identity die and then what does this new identity even look like Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. what do you want to take pieces of what do you want to release in this next chapter
1: yeah I take these transitions yeah like I said before I'm like a very sentimental person uh, when it comes to goodbyes or yeah especially when it comes to goodbyes and usually it's like goodbye to time like chapters in my life or goodbye to people and I don't know if you can say scientifically it's all you can put a very logical and rational lens on it be like it's just the passage of time it's just another day around the sun who cares but it, it feels good to get into that mindset because I think I've become very connective and creative and spiritual in that mind and mm-hmm. that's where you get to truths about yourself that are hard to confront when you're in the weeds.
0: Wow that's it's It's very admirable. And I'm actually jealous because I did not build out a transition Mm. for myself after I left my corporate job. It was very much I was running my business full time already. And I think at that point it was just like being able to scope out a lot of time for it as opposed to doing it after hours. And then that was just it. People ask me, oh, are you going to take time off? I said, no, what are you talking about? But I could have. And I didn't have that moment of reflecting. What does it mean? What does it look like? What do I want more of? How mm-hmm. do I want to live my life? And, you and know now. The
1: nice, about, the, the nice thing about your work is that you're always engaging with people on those questions. So I actually, I'm almost jealous of your kind of work because that's literally your job to help other people understand that, which gives you so much perspective on your own. And you don't have, I feel like you have less of a, you you, you don't need to go as far away from your work to zoom out as somebody who may be working purely in a very technical facing role.
0: Yes, no, you are actually right. Because at the end of yesterday, I found myself, because I'm talking about this stuff all the time with clients, right? Or just the nature of my work, the content. And I found myself wanting to almost shut off, right? Mm -hmm. Of, okay, I'm too... In emotional conversations or to spiritual conversations. And so I almost find myself balancing between the two of like just pure intellectualism. And I think that's why I like the comments I get to talk to tech people and like start up. <laughs> like I fucking love talking to co founders, it's so funny. And then it's just like this other side where it's super spiritual and blue, mm-hmm. but like noticing that within myself. So I like that's like a way for me to make me feel better about not having the transition. This. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs>
1: No, I I think I I would have been a lot less um, sentimental if I knew what I was doing next. And I think that's the nice thing. I think you had a very clear idea of what you wanted to do next. I think when I was making that jump, I had this vague idea of starting a business, kind of still do, vague idea of starting a business. And it's so open-ended that I actually needed to like take some time to get my previous job out of my mind and my previous life out of my mind and really zoom out and think through it. But I think if I had a business idea and I had the funding to do it and I had a product built out, which is maybe the analogy for what you had at that time, yeah. I would have wanted to take a break. I think I, I would have just wanted to jump right in because I, I would be so excited about doing that.
0: It's almost like the way that I describe it to people is you break up with someone, but you're going to find an apartment to move out and you found your apartment and you just can't wait to decorate it. Right. Like you've been in the process of coupling in a way of wanting to know what your identity is. What does it look like to embody that? And so that's where I was with it at the time.
1: Yeah. it's. I think the fact that you're bringing that up and you're remembering that, it probably means that you could probably take a day or two and you would probably get a lot out of it. I,
0: I, oh my God, no, today, especially today when I was doing my goals, because that essentially was my transition. Like Mm -hmm. the way that we did it or I did it was, what do I want to take from feel so corporate right now? From fucking Q1 and Q2. I like no joke. I like fucking did that. Yeah, what are your
1: OKRs, huh? <laughs> What's the success criteria? <laughs>
0: I know <laughs> it's crazy because it's, I have such, I, I love the way that I do business because it's very intuitive, but it's all, I have these guardrails for myself. Mm. And so literally, okay, what are the things that I really enjoyed in Q1, Q2? What is like my actual objective, like cultivating an engaged community? What are the, like, what's the actual, how that ties back to that. And so it felt good to have time and space to be strategic and say, this is my true North. And anything that happens, if I feel emotions that are like ebbs and flows, I know what my true north is. And that's the direction that I'm going.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think think that's an example of really good leadership to yourself, because I think the best leaders are not the people who are always 24 seven on the ground doing the same work. They're the person who can be very strategic and set the guardrails for the people mm-hmm. who are their fault, fo- who are following that person to do their best creative work. And when you said the word guardrails, I thought that's like such a great way to strike a balance between your intuitive side and your more logical and strategic side. Yeah. To self guardrails to be very creative while within being within this like broader path that you're setting for yourself.
0: Right. And so now for me, I'm really learning what are the energetics of like my inner masculine, my inner feminine side, right? So the masculine, like the feminine, she'll have a vision and the masculine side is just more of like, how do I execute against that? How do I use like the solar energies? How do I fulfill that vision and create the structures process and like operations around that? And so it's like being able to utilize both sides of I feel divinely inspired, but what does that actually look like in the material realm?
1: What does what like masculine and feminine mean to you in that context? Just genuinely curious.
0: Yeah, it means to me, you know, what I mentioned of being tuned into my spirituality, being able to be receptive, being able to take pauses. So I'm really leaning into my business in the terms of like seasonal cycles. Of course, I alluded to Q1, Q2 and all that stuff. But what is a season of my business? Right now, I feel like I'm very much in this summer season of outward external energy of wanting to cultivate my community. So it means being out there, socializing, knowing that fall will come. And actually this fall, I'm going to do yoga teacher training. So I'm going to be off the grid for a little bit. So I'm going to be in hermit mode, like thinking about what do I want to decompose? What like spiritual concepts are coming to me? And then eventually like winter, what does it look like? How can I harvest it? And then spring, what are the actual fruits of my labor? And so being attuned to my cycles, my energy, what am I feeling? First of all, like physical, emotional sensations, being able to communicate that. And then if I feel inspired to your point of knowing like the strategic masculine side of, is this the right time where I don't want to use like the term loosely, like women are emotional, but it's like, it can be to the point of like divinely inspired than just like doing it without any sort of direction of how to use your energy. Because it's one thing to be able to have that energy, but being strategic and masculine in that sense is like, how do you direct it and harness it? That'll make you be successful.
1: I see. So when you said the word guardrails earlier, that was coming from your masculine side.
0: Yes. So it's always like me balancing both and how do do I play with both? Because I would say for me, I was very masculine the first couple of months. So let me do not really think, not really be like introspective about it. And I got super burnt out. And then personally, just because the nature of my work, I felt like a burnt out mother who was constantly giving to clients. And I was like, I am not taking care of myself. What does that even look like? I just want to be like, when you have to, when you are a leader and you're making decisions, I was very much like in my masculine side. And then when I wanted to come home, I was like, I just don't want to have to make decisions. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm doing it all day, 24 seven. I just want to be in flow, receptivity. I want to relax. I want to just date like all of those things. Mm
1: -hmm. And so it
0: almost got me to that point of like, where I like started hating everybody.
1: (laughs) But I I, I think everybody needs that kind of balance. I think that's why the artist's way, the two cornerstone habits are to do the morning pages and to take this right. date because the, by nature, these things are very intuitive experiences. They're not mm-hmm. meant to be figuring out and logical strategic experiences. The morning pages is literally just like literally sit and don't stop writing for three pages. Yeah. The more, and the, the date is, I think they explicitly say, don't bring your phone. Don't like bring a friend. You have to go alone. Yeah. Like most bring a notebook. And just go take yourself out somewhere. That's about as intuitive and I guess maybe more on the feminine side as you can get. Whereas I think, like, I think in our work culture in America, I think it is more standardized around logical, strategic thinking. Maybe that's because of capitalism, maybe because of America, I don't really know. But I think that's why that advice is geared towards the more intuitive side is because odds are you don't do enough of that in your day-to-day life. And yeah, I, I do my morning pages most days right here um, for that exactly. Yeah. Useful.
0: I love that. I love that. And so after you quit your job,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you
0: traveled. <laughs> what was that? Like?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I I'll, I'll just say this about, I think the cool thing was I spent 40 days in Europe and it was great i spent the first 10 days with friends the next 30 days on my own but really it wasn't completely on my own i I made friends along the way and actually spent most of that time with other people um but i think the part that did feel quite radical and difficult for me at first was that i didn't have any plan so i didn't even have my return flight booked i didn't have any tickets booked i didn't have any buses or trains or anything in between it was literally every day, wake up and be like, okay, what do you want to do? Do you want to stay? Do you want to go? Like, you got to let them know, otherwise going to charge you more. Yeah. So it was really putting the pressure on me to say, look, this whole trip is just going to be filled with uncertainty, but this is going to be like a task for you to make sense of this uncertainty. And I think what happened in those 30 days was that I, my friends and I were together for the first 10 days and that was very structured and logical and itinerary oriented and in a group, you have to be, because everybody has different things they want to do, and you have to organize on some sort of plan. And they dropped me off in Barcelona, and they continued heading back to the States. And I was in Barcelona for three days total. And it feels like painful to admit this now, almost, but two of those three days, I didn't leave my hotel room. Wow. I was in Barcelona. Like, I was <laughs> pain, My first time on my own, and I didn't leave my hotel room. And the reason was because I was so overwhelmed with anxiety about Mm. 30 days. I don't have any plan. What the hell am I doing? Where do I go? As somebody who has spent most of my life knowing exactly what I'm going to do before I make any big life change, right? From which school I was going to go to, to which job I was going to get after school, to which um, graduate school I'm going to go to. Every one of those steps was made before the previous step had finished. So there was this unbroken chain of knowing exactly what I was going to do at any given point. But now that chain had been broken, right? I left my (laughs) job and had no plan aside from this vague dream of starting a business. And now in the micro level as well, I had gotten dropped off in Barcelona with no plan of what I'm going to do and I could waste the whole next 30 days or make something of it. But what happened was that I just cleared up what the next step was going to be. When I decided I'm going to spend another day and a half in Barcelona and then fly to Austria. I don't know what's going to happen after that, but I'm going to fly to Austria. Then I was really able to enjoy that next day and a half because I wasn't like in fear of where I was going to sleep at night. (laughs) That's a good fear. That's a good fear to have. I should be fearing that. But once I clear that up, then within those guardrails, I could feel free to be as intuitive as I wanted. And those 30 days in Europe, I think the biggest thing at the end was that I just made so many incredible memories with so many incredible people. Friends who I'm still in contact with to this day, like I, I had experiences you could never find on a travel list. This coincidences that you just walk into that you could only do so with aimless wandering. That I became much, much more confident after mm-hmm. that trip about dealing with uncertainty in my life in a way that I wasn't trying to architect. It ended up being exactly what I needed was a gym of a sorts of uncertainty where every Mm -hmm. single day I exercise my strength against all this uncertainty and make certainty out of it. Or I guess like maybe as Jordan Peterson would say, he would say making structure out of chaos. And that's my life right now. It's I don't have a job and all of my sensibilities, my proper sensibilities in my head, my Asian upbringing in my head is what the hell are you doing? man? Right. And I've heard that from people in my life who are close to me. What are you doing? What are you actually doing? And The answer has never been, I don't know. And I'm scared. It's that I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. And I Mm -hmm. have like very deep certainty about that, that I never really had before.
0: Mm -hmm. Did you have that confidence before you were on your trip or was that the thing that you finally understood was I know what I'm doing and I'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think back to how I was feeling in that moment. I think in that moment, all I knew was that my gut was screaming to do something and uh-huh. that I could no longer ignore it. And so when I left that job, it was, it felt very right, even though logically I didn't know how to justify it in a very, mm-hmm. way. but I think that's different than how I felt once you're confronted with that uncertainty. Your, I put some guardrails down. So I said, I'm going to be in Europe for a certain amount of time at the minimum. So that was the guardrail. I have to stay in Europe.
0: Right? <laughs> no matter what, I can't go back home. <laughs>
1: yeah. like, I have to stay in Europe and I'm not going to work during this time. And it was really hard, but I set that guardrail down. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I was even able to think towards the uncertainty. All I knew is that I was running away from, not running away is not the right word, but moving away from something. And it felt so right to just move away from it. But I think my, my unconscious knew that this is where I had to go and why I had to do it. And it led me towards a path where I started answering a lot of those questions just by listening to it.
0: Uh huh. So in addition to being able to have that confidence of being able to navigate uncertainty while you were traveling, not having an itinerary, being by yourself, what other insights did you get about yourself?
1: Other insights? I... You know, I have a whole journal of them. I'm trying to say, like, which ones? I think I didn't have a lot of super deep insights that like completely changed my life. There was nothing that was like, oh my gosh, like, I completely switched my mind on something. I never. Yeah. Thought. And and I think if anybody listening to this just looks back at their own life when they had those changes, I think. In retrospect, to tell a story to other people, it's nice to focus on a single moment, right? That moment when I look back at my journal and it, I suddenly realized I had to make the change, right? But always like these big changes, they happen slowly over time. Mm-hmm. It's rare, at least in my life, that there's like this one big event. And I think the same applies to like these insights. A lot of the knowledge becomes embodied before it becomes conscious. And there was a lot of confidence to the way that I carried myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that came out as a result of that trip. So I guess like maybe now I'm like just reflecting on it. I think I had to talk to a lot of strangers, a yeah. lot of strangers. And I had to be open to that kind of help from them sometimes. I was in uh, Vienna and I didn't have money for the bus and I had to take the bus. Otherwise, the next one would have been like six hours and I didn't have a place right Yeah. I, the bus driver said, look, we don't take card. We only take cash. And I didn't have, I hadn't any exchange, any money at that point. And a passenger got out from inside the bus and went up to me outside and said, look, I'm going to pay for you. Like, just transfer the money to me later. I didn't even know he was listening to my conversation with the bus driver, but he got out, paid for a complete stranger. And like, when you do that kind of thing, you you can't guarantee that you're going to get your money back. He, he right. really did that as a gift. I, of course, I eventually did get him his money back, but To be open to that kind of serendipity, you have to be flying by the seat of your pants.
0: Yeah. I I guess
1: that's one thing. Yeah, I realized that I have this like confidence now going into a situation that's very uncertain that I didn't have a tolerance, almost uncertainty I didn't have before.
0: And it almost makes you believe in humanity again. Just that someone who is being able to help you in your time of need.
1: I think this makes me... I don't know if it makes me unusual, but I think there is a lot of despair that's sold on in media and especially on social media, despair, especially on certain sites, goes quite viral. And I was much more pessimistic about the world the more I was consuming that kind of media in the past. Mm -hmm. But I've come to realize that I think we're probably living in the best time possible to be alive. I think we're on the cusp of many incredible technologies and breakthroughs. And I think the world gives back what you ask from it or what you expect of it. And so when I was walking around in Barcelona or in Budapest or wherever, and I was just excited, just literally excited to be there. The world works in ways where it reflects that excitement back at you because the world presents something to be excited about because you're looking for it. And the world presents people that are excited to be hanging out with you because you're excited to meet them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, I guess I'm like a very optimistic person. I'm, I, I always have had a very positive view of humanity. I've also been very privileged to live a pretty safe upbringing and to not have any super major crimes or bad things committed towards me in my life. But yeah, I'm like, I'm, I feel blessed and I, Whenever I can, I, I try to encourage people to think of that world in that way too. We're the healthiest we've ever been. We're the most, we're, we're the richest we've ever been in terms of our quality of life and our standard of living. And there are a lot of problems in the world, but ones that are not outside the realm of what we can solve with technology and with the uh, future. So yeah, I'm a very optimistic person and I, I generally see very positive things in the world already. Yeah. So it's almost, I think that comes first. And then you start seeing in the world as opposed to the world showed you how positive it can be. And then your mind gets changed. But right. It's almost
0: expect, it's almost like you had that lens already. So that's how you viewed it. And then I often hear people say like your external reality is matched by your internal reality. And to your point, wherever, and what is it Like what you pay attention to energy grows or energy flows, something like that. So as, when you came back from that trip, what was the integration like for you? And how are you settling my, into that? Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, my my spiritual Bible for my trip was this book called Vagabonding by Rolf Potts. And it's just a, a guide for people who want to travel this way. I was planning on doing it anyways, but it helped me like clear up. Certain questions that I had and gave me more principles. And one of the things he says at the end of the book is exactly this: is "You will feel like you're coming home, but that you're also going to be quite sad for a little bit." Like going on an adventure, almost by definition, doesn't have a, a predefined endpoint, right? Going on an adventure means that it's very open ended. You generally have a direction you're traveling, but not a destination. So when you eventually you reach the destination, which is your home. Yeah, it can be quite coming down to earth moment. And I think for a while I was a little bit sad. I, I missed the adventure of travel, but that was counterbalanced with a absolute hunger to get my teeth on starting this next phase of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have consistently been in this state now where I have so much energy and zeal to go after this thing that I've set out to do. That I think I came back like around the right time, like 40 days was a good amount of time. And given that this is my goal to come to afterwards, it was just enough time to feel like a whole adventure, but not so much time that I felt like I was disappointing my dream. So I actually came back feeling sad that I was leaving the adventure, but very excited and almost eager to come back and start working on this dream that I had.
0: That's amazing. And so where can people find you if they want to stay connected, follow your journey of transitioning to the next phase and what's next?
1: Yeah. So I write a newsletter bi-weekly. So twice a week on my website and my website contains links to all of my other social media. And that website is amir.me. So it's M-I-R
0: Perfect. And we'll put it in the show notes. And is there anything else you want to leave the audience with? Any other last musings?
1: There have been a lot of people, I think, in this situation. I think if you're around my age, I think you've been in the corporate world for a few years. And I think you may be thinking about maybe not transitioning to your own business, but just transitioning into or out of a relationship or to a new area that you've always wanted to live in or just to another job. And I think there are a lot of anecdotal uh, evidence that I've seen that if you have this desire to blow up your life, <laughs> it's it it if by the time you become conscious of it, you generally are really ready to do it, generally speaking. I wouldn't say that advice unanimous across the board, but I think generally speaking, if you're like if you're thinking about blowing up your life for whatever reason. <laughs> it's scary. The thought of it's scary, but it's always easier on the other side. And I think you always become grateful that you did it. So I'm as happy now as I've been in years.
0: Wow. That's amazing. And one last question that I always ask my guests is what are you doing to fill your own self-love cup and connect to the little you?
1: Taking care of my health. I've been through a lot of ups and downs with certain chronic health diseases, like with sleep and with bodily injuries and going to the gym every single day and sleeping on time is in the context of that, the best self-love that I can give myself. And every time I do it, it's like, I'm putting like a hundred dollars into my, my, my bank account. And, And more broadly, I think it's the vessel that you're going to experience the rest of your life. And and this applies to anybody listening to this, unless you're an AI, in which case, (laughs) um, but I've never met somebody who regrets putting more time into their health. (laughs) Met a lot of people who've regretted putting more time into work or putting too much time into a codependent relationship, but haven't met anyone who is regretted their health. Always. (laughs) So if that's Uh, one message you can take away, yeah, definitely take care of your health
0: amazing thank you so much for being on here this is wonderful i'm so glad that we got to connect and you got to share your story and experience
1: i really appreciate you having me on it was really enjoyable and i actually learned some things about you that i didn't know, <laughs> which is always great and uh, yeah it's like a good reflection for myself too
0: yeah awesome thank you everyone for tuning in This has been another episode of the HeartStream Musings podcast, and I will catch you next time. All right. Bye, everyone.